Welcome to the Drill Down. We've got business stories behind stocks on the move. I'm Corey Johnson. Today, October 12, gives us episode number 115. Well, just ahead, short sellers go after Max Linear. So how does the company explain its controversial acquisition strategy? And MGM sees that the NFL is driving online sports betting more than they even imagined. And how buying a bank is transforming a company called New Tech Business Services. We're going to get into that with New Tech CEO Barry Sloan from the LD Micro Conference in Los Angeles. But first, it's sponsor time. The Drill Down is brought to you by ERA. Never miss another critical event or insight ever with ERA. Customize your company watch lists, track key events, mentions, filings, and more, all within an easy-to-use, customizable interface. That's ERA, A-I-E-R-A dot com. And you can listen to the Drill Down podcast every day on your smart speaker. Just ask that smart speaker to play the Drill Down podcast, and you'll hear our latest show. And the Drill Down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com to learn more. All right, I'm Corey Johnson. Welcome to The Drill Down. If we sound a little different today, I'm joined today by executive producer Isaac Webster, but not like every day, because for the first time in years, Isaac is sitting right across from me as we are at the LD Micro Conference in Los Angeles. LD Micro is a firm that focuses on small and, yes, even micro-cap companies. We're plucking some of the biggest ones here to talk about, companies of a more sizable market cap. Some of those are here, too. Also here... Ben Wilson, our executive, our, our editor extraordinaire, I should say. Um, and this is so COVID after working together every day for the last six months. This is the first time I'm meeting Ben. Ben, nice to see you in real life. Good to see you too. It's nice to be in the same room and have it not be a virtual room. I, I didn't know what you really exactly looked like. I didn't know how tall you were. The peg leg surprised me. Well, not the peg leg. I kind of expected that. But the hook and the parrot on your shoulder. Oh, my God. They don't call me Captain Hook. For nothing, or at all. Uh, <laughs> all right, Isaac. If we don't laugh at our own jokes, no one will. So some of our listeners think that we shouldn't be laughing at our own jokes. Actually. Yeah, I've had that feedback. <laughs> you know, me too, actually. In any case, Isaac, what are the three most important business stories in the world today? Well, let's start with GM. GM will recover 1.9 billion dollars in bolt recall costs and a deal with LG. Now, the Korean company will reimburse GM because of the manufacturing defects in battery modules that LG supplied for the electric vehicle Bolt. GM has recalled all of the roughly 142,000 bolts that GM produced since 2016. Wow. So uh, the manufacturer on the hook for that, that's a big deal. It is a big deal. It's a big win for GM, I think. Now let's move on to uh, the Fed. Some A little Fed news for, for Tuesday. Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta President Rafael Bostic said that while inflation has surged more than he and others had expected, and Bostic says inflation runs the risk of being more persistent than desired. He still believes price pressures will ease over time. The Fed official also said he was on board with an imminent pullback in some of the aid the central bank has been offering the economy. And finally, let's move on to the IMF because we want to end on a high note. The IMF lowered its 2021 global forecast for growth to 5.9% in its latest World Economic Outlook report. The IMF pointed to the Delta variant of the virus and its impact on developing countries. Also to blame, the IMF says shortages that are weighing on consumption and manufacturing 
and advanced economies. The IMF's weaker forecast is down from the 6% growth that was projected in July. So from 6% to 5.9%. That's right. Wow. It's upsetting. It's weird to look across the table and see you right there. Yeah, I know you don't like it. <laughs> I just said weird. I didn't say I didn't like it. I'm sorry. Uh, it's not true. I do like I it. I can glad feel the energy you. in the room. Corey, what stocks are you drilling down on today? Let's look at Max Linear. Max Linear trades under MXL. Shares fell 1.7% today, but they've gained 80% in a year. Tell me about Max Linear. Right, so Max Linear is a semiconductor maker. Um, it was attacked by uh, a short seller of the shares, at least, suffered a little bit from a short seller report that was out today from a firm called Jehoshaphat Research, huh. which I'd never heard of before, whatever. Very biblical. Um, they are accusing Max Linear of masking a lack of organic growth by doing a bunch of acquisitions. Max Linear is, a, as I mentioned, a semiconductor business. They bought Intel's uh, home computing business and just at the right time, they bought it kind of right at the beginning of COVID. And so uh, they had, you know, people were spending time at home. They were buying any kind of tech gadget they could for the home, as well as we know, we've been talking about the show, anything for the home, whether it was for their kitchen or lawn furniture or, or, you know, renovating parts of their homes. That was the big business in the last 18, now 19 months. And uh, the Intel at home business, it was the right time for Max Linear to get it. Well, Jehoshaphat Research suggests that they were lucky, not smart. To me, that sounds like the Dodgers fans blaming the wind for last night's loss to the Giants, but I digress. <laughs> I couldn't believe, Isaac, your fellow Angelinos, making excuses for the fact that they've lost two out of three to the Giants in the last week, but in any case, blaming the weather. But look, it is reasonable for the short sellers to look at firms that are roll-ups. Roll-ups are companies that acquire and acquire and acquire and acquire to achieve growth. And if that works, it's a strategy. It's a way to grow. But what happens is when you do acquisitions like that over and over again, you find that companies have trouble integrating the companies they've acquired. Sometimes the companies that have been acquired have um, incentives to exaggerate their numbers and their prospects in order to get acquired. And it's often there's a lot of problems left after all those acquisitions. So I thought it was worth listening to. So let's listen to what the chief financial officer, Steve Litchfield of Max Linear, had to say. Uh, in a recent uh, technology conference? I mean, look, I think we're still, um, I, I mean, look, acquisitions are very much part of the playbook and will continue to be part of the playbook. I think scale matters a lot. So so definitely want to do that. I feel like we've got the integration uh, complete. Uh, you know, look, there's nothing imminent, uh, but we're definitely kind of outlooking. Things are relatively expensive, but uh, especially on the private side. But we're looking, we'll look at carve outs again, uh, like the Intel side and also standalone companies. Uh, but we'll also continue to pay down debt. I mean, cash flow is improving nicely. And uh, so we've got this excess cash. We'll continue to pay down debt. We're, we did authorize the $100 million buyback, and, and we're absolutely going to continue to work on that as well. So I think, you know, it's worth the takeaway, Isaac. It might be that those, those acquisitions from these short sellers aren't as damning as other companies, like the truck was moving because you pushed it down the hill. It doesn't have an engine. That's a damning accusation. <laughs> the fact that they did a lot of acquisitions and that boosted their growth. Yeah. Hey, that's how you grow sometimes. Corey, what is your next drill down? MGM Resorts International. MGM Resorts International trades under MGM and shares rose over 9% today, and they've gained 126% over the past 12 months. What's new with MGM? 
So MGM uh, is, you know, they mentioned the big move in the stock today. There were some analyst reports out uh, of late looking at their online betting business, and it's just going really well. There's all sorts of ways to check this, one of them which is uh, location checks where gamblers uh, online have to prove that they are in the state in which they are gambling. Well, you can get a, certain people can get reports on those checks and see how many times they're happening. They're happening a lot. Other, another, another report showing the MGM in particular is gaining uh, market share in online sports betting. Uh, the company uh, really saying that, you know, that ultimately iGaming is going to be bigger than NFL betting. What is iGaming? It's other games, other sports that you bet on that are just the sports you play on your phone. Okay. Not betting on sporting events or so on, but things gotcha. you can bet real money. Gotcha. That said, um, the, the NFL business for them has been really, really good. Um, it's uh, and They're finding that it's huge, especially for, you know, in Nevada for the Raiders, a team that plays in Nevada. You could, they did not allow bets on John Gruden's email contents, which would have been a good one. That would have been, yeah. But. Newsmaking. Yeah, indeed, and, and job ending. But um, uh, they did allow bets on football and found that as they've added states, they've added a lot more bets, and they saw a lot of benefits from uh, NFL gambling legalized in certain places, even if the CEO of Bill Hornbuckle couldn't always remember where those states are. We, we just went into our 16th or 17th. This weekend we opened Arizona. Uh, we just opened South Dakota and Wyoming. And remember last year we didn't have in football, Virginia or, um, who am I missing? Michigan. There's one more. Michigan. Michigan. Uh, duh, Michigan. Um, and so um, that continues to grow. Um, we're in five I gaming markets. Uh, and so, you know, it will continue to grow. It'll continue to grow the database. The, the, clearly, the trick to that business is iGaming in terms of the long-term economics. Um, sports betting is compelling at scale. It's brand-driven. Uh, you all see what we're doing out there. We're competing like hell to get share, and that's all fine and good, but where the money ultimately will be, not ultimately, where the money even is today with only five iGaming states is in, is in iGaming. Um, and the margin ultimately will be there. And the, ability, and the unique ability, particularly for us in Michigan, is that example to tie brick and mortar into a known gaming customer and make it relevant is just very straightforward. Uh, sports betting in a place like Las Vegas now where you have uh, the Raiders playing, over the weekend, year over year, first week over first week, we've taken 300% more bets over this weekend on uh, NFL. 300%, 278%. Um, it, and the simple reason, I think, is because the game's here, and therefore the people are here. And, it's, and last year was a different year. All that being said, the ability to connect the brick and mortar with all this activity is pretty compelling and pretty exciting. So good stuff for MGM uh, in, yes, Michigan, and all the other states like Vegas and Nevada. Vegas isn't a state. It's a state of mind. But it is the state of Nevada, Isaac. Michigan's a state of mind as well. Couldn't agree more. Corey, what's your next drill down? Let's look at Valvoline. Valvoline trades under VVV. Shares rose 9% today, and they've risen 76% in a year. What's new with Valvoline? Well, um, so full disclosure, I own Valvoline shares, so discount what I'm about to say as much as you want. But um, Valvoline has two businesses. So one is operating uh, the second largest quick lube service uh, in the U.S., with Valvoline Instant Oil Change. And then they have a products business where they sell stuff. 
The Quick Lube business has been fantastic, and it's growing like crazy, better than 20% a year. The products business, not so much. Uh, and the company has been accused by people of just not, you know, it's grown over the last, just since the IPO about five years ago, it's grown at about 50% of the, you know, the S&P has doubled in that time. This business is up about 45% of the stock is. So people have been advocating for a change at this company. And indeed, till they fix the, this business somehow to show the growth that this, they're saying, oh, by 2023, over 50% of our business will be the quick lube business. So today they came out and said they're going to look at a plan, possibly, to split the two businesses, the stock responding today. But, um, and again, I'm, I own a tiny bit of the stock. So, you know, that's was a material, you know, something I noticed today. But, um, you know, why the, the underlying question here is not just why didn't management look at a split earlier when they could see that they had one fast growing business and not, and one slow growing business, but also why is that business growing so fast? It turns out that if you have a, let's say an old car, like a, I don't know, like let's say a 71 Stingray Corvette convertible. Just I'm just making that up out of the blue. Hmm, let's say yeah. you own one, mm -hmm. maybe in the color of red. Sure, like a cherry red. Like a cherry red. Sure, yeah. So that takes a regular old oil. And if you get an oil change, it's about 45 bucks. But if you're driving a new BMW, you're going to get a synthetic oil change. And that can cost as much as 90 bucks. So as more and more people are driving newer and newer cars, the cost of an oil change is going up. So when you go in for the quick lube change of Valvoline, you get the twice as expensive synthetic oil change and you find yourself buying some wiper blades and some windshield washer fluid and a couple other changes. Pretty soon the average ticket price is going up for Valvoline and that's been really good or so says CEO Sam Mitchell at a uh, June investor conference. On the ticket side, we've got a number of drivers. Um, one is uh, the, the, probably the easiest one is the fact that more of the new cars today require synthetic oils. And a synthetic oil change uh, uh, is uh, a posted price of about $90 on average across our, our system. And that's a, a significant increase versus say a synthetic blend in the mid $60 range or a conventional oil change, which is only about a $45 uh, posted price. So as more and more vehicles, car owners, uh, uh, require synthetics, that's just a really nice tailwind for us over time because it drives ticket and obviously it drives a, a lot of margin growth. So higher ticket prices, higher margin uh, for this company, um, nothing but good. The question is, can investors really see it without the businesses being split in two? The company says they're not going to comment anymore until they announce a deal or announce a no deal. They've hired Cravath, they've hired... Um, Goldman Sachs to advise them. I don't know that investors can be satisfied with the, we're not talking about this. Um, I know I'm not, but you know, Isaac, I'm kind of demanding. Uh, are you? You may yeah. have, may have noticed. <laughs> ben and I are just exchanging looks over here. Yep. All right. All right. Well, our guest coming up from the LD micro conference here in Los Angeles, and it's very kind of Chris Lahiji and the fine folks at LD micro to let us be the media sponsors for this event. But our guest coming up, New Tech Business Services CEO, Barry Sloan, very interesting business development company that is making a huge transition by buying a bank and transforming their business and transforming their shareholder base. We'll have the story of New Tech right after this. The Drill Down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. 
Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Drill Down Podcast. We're joined right now by Barry Sloan, the CEO of New Tech. Uh, what, Barry, you've been, first of all, we're at this LD microconference. Um, and how do you define what this conference is? It's a bunch of small cases, a lot of companies presenting, some of the very small companies, yours not so much. Right. And you've been coming for years. I have been coming for over a decade. And Chris Lahiji puts on a tremendous conference. It's a little bit like a cold following. People come here and they try to find the undiscovered companies. It's primarily dominated by nano cap or micro cap companies. Uh, we've outgrown it. We're 650 million market cap today, but I have investors here. Uh, I come to see them and it's, it's a great event. You learn a lot. So describe your company and, and what was it about your company that made this conference sort of help, you know, you come back obviously because you get to see some of the same faces, people that still own your stock, but what is it about your company that has allowed you to grow from a, a much smaller company to a much bigger company? Uh, over the years here? Well, I think that uh, we established ourselves in 1998. We went public in September 2000 via a reverse merger. And, you know, I think the key to surviving and thriving over the course of two decades is have a good idea, work really hard, have great passion and perseverance, because you're going to have tough times. The 0809 credit crisis was difficult. The pandemic was difficult. But if you have that grit and determination, you can push through all these events. So what, what do you guys do? What, what does the company fundamentally do? Because I, I read the SEC filings and stuff, and it says provide business services. And I'm, well, doesn't everybody provide business services? Well, yes and no. It's, some people provide a singular business service or a singular solution. New Tech has a branded full suite of solutions and focuses on what the SBA defines as 30 million businesses in the United States, small and medium-sized business, 50% of non-farm GDP, 9 out of 10 businesses in the U.S. are defined as a small and medium sized business. So we do five things for businesses. We provide them financing, we're a direct lender, so we give them money to grow their business. We also are an electronic payment process, so we give them the ability to take electronic payments. We do payroll health and benefits. We're also a 50 state licensed health and PNC insurer. And we also manage their technology 24 seven in our cloud, which is based in New Jersey and in Phoenix. So those five solutions make up the full business suite one more thing to add, we recently announced that we have signed an agreement to acquire a bank so that all of these solutions are going to be rolled under a bank umbrella. Yeah, I want to, I want to get to that, that, uh, no, that new tech bank and trust uh, that you're getting into. But it sounds like these services go well beyond financing. And I, but, but it does seem like there's sort of two chunks of it, which is the things that banks do lend to companies and help them grow their businesses. And then there's business services support, which banks almost never do. Right. Many of them promise to do that stuff. Yeah, I think what we do for, for our clients is we make them more efficient. We make their life easier. We not only reduce their expense, but we give them software services and solutions that allow them to scale down their operations and focus on what they do well. They, out, they can out, see, there's a lot of payroll companies, Paychex or ADP. Sure. There's a lot of payment processing companies, Fiserv, Tesis, and others. We do all of the things. So we roll these things together and provide a total solution for a business owner to be able to run their business. So how do you find your customers or how do your customers find you? Well, that's also unique. So we view ourselves as the branchless, brokerless, BDOless, and bankerless company. We developed a software called New Tracker in 2003, which basically is like the salesforce.com for a business referral process. So entities like UBS, Raymond James, Morgan Stanley, 
Navy Federal Credit Union, Meineke Muffler Trade Association, True Value, they refer clients to us because they don't provide those solutions for their customers through the new tracker system. We get over 100,000 business referrals a quarter. We've gotten one and a half million over our life. And we can service customers without a sales force, without marketing dollars, just by providing a great solution. So our alliance partner, referral partner channel is the bread and butter and to our business. And what do they get out of that referral? They get a referral fee, but most importantly, we don't take their customers, which is really important. We don't compete with them. And we give their customers a solution that makes them viable so that they can sell them stocks and bonds, manage their 401k, sell them franchise agreements, or possibly depository services. Now, what are the sizes of the businesses that you're backing? So about 80 to 85% of our customers are probably 20 employees to below. Most people don't even want to talk to those businesses because they're too small. Um, we have a significant amount of clients that are 100 heads, 500 heads, couple that are 1,000 heads, and we service them as well. We don't take clients for breakfast, lunch, dinner. We don't play golf with them. We don't take them to the theater. We're just there for them 24 hours a day, seven days a week when they need a solution and a human being to talk to to provide them the service. That's I what mean, we do. One of the reasons that big financial firms or, or small financial firms don't take on those kinds of customers or even banks are always looking for them because they are so much work, but it seems like you're getting so many slices of their business that you can make it cost effective. Yeah, by being able to offer multiple solutions, we can pile the margin on. And by being able to do this remotely, which the pandemic has forced every business in the United States to do. The pandemic actually forced companies to adapt our business model, which is you don't need calling bankers, brokers, salespeople, and branches to bring customers in. You need a great product, a reputation, and the customers will come to you. So you go out and decide you're going to buy a bank and you buy a, a what was it the National Bank of New York or something like that? National Bank of New York City. Right. And and it's the National Bank of New York City, which having lived in New York City for most of my life, I don't know what the National Bank of New York City is. But you bought it for one times book, $20 million. And yet it has the ability to make loans all over the country in all 50 states. Correct. It's an OCC chartered bank. It has one branch, 27 employees. So that from our perspective, the branch? it's in Flushing. Flushing Queens. Okay. Correct. So maybe now you're getting an image of you wouldn't, it would be hard to find the bank. It's really small. Okay. But they have a charter. But they speak 400 languages as they do in Queens. Probably. Yes. <laughs> you got to take the seven train to get there. Okay. So, uh, so you find a bank in Queens. It's got book value of 20 million bucks, probably does some commercial banking there almost exclusively. Yeah. Not, not a consumer bank, primarily a commercial bank servicing commercial customers, a significant real estate book, you know, from given the size of the bank. And what we plan on doing is working with the existing infrastructure to be able to grow the deposit and lending franchises and drop the things that we do into a banking environment, which we think will be very successful. You surely had the opportunity to be a bank in the past. Why do it now? The timing is clearly different today than it was say 10 years ago. Um, we're an $80 million market cap company then. We're $650 million today. Um, we have enough wherewithal to afford the types of resources to manage, comply, and develop high-quality banking product. And that really was not um, available to us 10 years ago. It's a much better fit. In addition to that, the regulators are much more friendly to technology-oriented financial institutions that can take a bank 
that's primarily brick and mortar and banker oriented and turn that into a technology enabled bank. Let me paraphrase that. So what you're saying is regulators would have looked at your offerings and said, no, 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 no. You can't do that under a bank's roof anymore. But now they're used to other firms trying to do similar kind of things and add on services that maybe it's more um, feasible for the uh, the OCC, the yeah. Office of the Comptroller of the Currency. Correct. Whoever he or she is right now. Correct. They're working on it. Uh, they don't have anybody right now, right? There's a, there's a, a newly appointed nominee. And then the other true thing is, you know, we'll have a bank holding company, so the Federal Reserve chief could be Powell and not Powell. So there's a lot of transition right now in the regulatory environment. But I think that the banking industry is much more favorable today to utilizing technology to acquire deposits and to make loans remotely without that uh, physical presence. Yeah, it, it is an interesting time for fintech. Uh, and you must be facing some, you know, you talked about technology uh, a moment ago to us in your own cloud. You talk about investor presentations as well. But the things that clients want, the customers need to operate their businesses are so much more complex than they were even 18 months ago. Yeah, and the, the nice thing about what we do is we have a payroll solution, we have insurance solutions, we can um, give the customer, once again, single sign-on through our dashboard, their Google Analytics, their payment processing data, their bill paying capability. So we've got all these products and solutions. We're gonna be able to bundle them under one dashboard, one single sign-on, to make it very efficient for a business owner to go to that dashboard and manage their business, as well as these solutions will integrate into the business's accounting GL. Um, are there financial advantages of being underneath the, the, the rubric of being a bank, the things that you could do that you couldn't do before? Yeah, so currently as a business development corporation, we're limited to two to one leverage. Banks are, can, can be levered 10 to one. And f as a business development corp, we've got a dividend and distribute out 100% of our earnings. Uh, under a financial or bank holding company, we can retain the earnings, which is valuable, and we could use core deposits to be able to grow the balance sheet without right. having to sell shares of stock. It's a very different game. Do you expect to get to that kind of 10 to one leverage? Oh yeah, there's no question. Yeah, over time, obviously, but I think we put out performers that at the close, we should be at 17, 18% of capital. So we'll, we'll start off as a very well capitalized financial institution. And presumably not screw that up. Well, presumably not screw that up. <laughs> Barry Sloan, thank you very much. Barry Sloan is the CEO of New Tech Business Services. Uh, glad to have you here from the LD Micro Conference here in sunny California. Thank you for having me, and it's great to be here, and I'm going to go eat another donut. Go get them. All right. Uh, we're going to have the drill down bite, that one number that tells us a whole lot about New Tech Business Services. It's going to blow your socks off when the drill down continues. The Drill Down is brought to you by ERA. With ERA, give yourself an information advantage. Connect directly to earnings calls and other investor events live transcription and event intelligence. That's era, A-I-E-R-A dot com. And you can listen to Drill Down every day. Among the many ways that's possible is on your smart speaker. Just ask your smart speaker to play the Drill Down podcast and listen to our latest show. And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at Drill Down Pod and connect with us directly at our website, bizpod.net. All right, as promised, we've got the drill down bite, that one number that tells us a whole lot. Well, New Tech Business Services, by switching from being a, a, a development company to actually being a bank, would mean a really big change in the way it pays out its earnings. It would have to pay out all, no longer have to pay out all of its earnings as a business development corporation, but in fact, will be like a regular bank and can offer a dividend. 
However, by having these huge dividends of up to $3 a share last year, uh, it's possible a lot of their shareholders wanted to bail as soon as they changed. And indeed, and here's that number, 17% of the shareholders of New Tech Business Services sold the shares completely with the idea this company would no longer be paying out 100% of its earnings as a dividend. Uh, and, the, and Barry Sloan is looking at an entirely new shareholder base as this company trans, uh, transitions from being a business development corporation to a bank. So imagine, imagine Isaac making a decision like that for your company and knowing that you're going to alienate a huge portion of your shareholder base. It's a tough call. Yeah. Um, and so he's hoping that enough of them will finish selling their shares so that the new shareholders will vote to approve this deal and they can be a bank and go forward as a bank and paying a dividend like a bank, not a, uh, a full uh, profit share as they do as a business development company. And indeed, uh, will allow institutional investors to buy the company as well. All right, you've been listening to the Drill Down Podcast from the LD Microconference here in Los Angeles, California. I'm Corey Johnson. Isaac Webster is our executive producer. Ben Wilson is our editor extraordinaire. The Drill Down is a production of the Business Podcast Network.